Hey, this is your host Andres, and I welcome you to Were You Listening? An exploration of blackness in the songs we love. Oye, esto es pa' mi pueblo con cariño de la Vallarde, con DJ Adam y Cachete, el majadero de los cueros. This song demonstrates Tego at his best sort of example of his capacity and his talent. His lyrics are a sociopolitical critique that really shows his depth of not only intellect and understanding, but also expression of his experience and the, and the experience of his people, which are Black Puerto Rican people. Today, we'll be listening to Loisa by Tego Calderon. Were You Listening is a series of the Mixtape podcast which aims to center the contribution of black people and culture across Latin America and its diaspora through dance and music. This episode of the series accompanies the episode Cuando Baila Reggaeton, when dancing reggaeton of our second season. You already know what I'm going to say. Go give it a listen and get some free knowledge from our wonderful reggaeton guests. Today's artist, Tego Calderon Rosario, is an Afro-Latino rapper and singer, legend of Latin music. His distinctive voice and incisive lyrics, full of black pride and social commentary, have granted him uniqueness and admiration among his peers and followers. His eclectic style draws elements from various Afro-Latin and African-American styles, including rap, reggaeton, salsa, bomba, dancehall, and reggae. Tego was born in Santurce, Puerto Rico, in 1972 to a couple of educated parents who Tego says were exceptional. In a 2017 interview with Jaime Bailey, Tego jokingly narrated what he told his mother, a school teacher, regarding her advice in the education of his children. He told her, her name is Pilar Rosario Parrilla, I quote, Mom, let me educate my children. Look how your techniques came out. End quote. He was of course referring about himself. Tego also feels great admiration for his late father, Esteban Calderón y la Raza, of whom he humbly says, I quote, I don't even reach the sole of his shoes." End quote. In his childhood, Tego was exposed to the Afro-Borican culture present in Rio Grande, Carolina, and Loiza, which will later influence his music. Tego's long journey with rap and associated musical forms arguably started in the 1980s, in his senior year of high school, when his family migrated to Miami and where he discovered rap and started trying to write it in English. He confesses that he very much failed because he wasn't fluent in the language. When he returned to Puerto Rico in 1988, however, he decided to start writing lyrics in Spanish, which he was much more comfortable with and which would eventually put him on a path of success. Tego carved a space for himself in the reggaeton movement during the late 1990s and early 2000s. 
several reggaeton songs in his 2002 debut album El Abayarde, such as Paquerretosen and Al Natural, found great success at a time in which reggaeton had become a cultural phenomenon, granting him the special position he occupies in the genre. Tego's approach of infectious music with razor-sharp lyrics seemed to follow closely the advice of his social justice-driven old man. I quote, First, you make them dance, and then you can start the chanting. That's what he would tell Tego. However, any listener of Tego's music will quickly realize that his music can also be unapologetically hedonistic, a whirlwind of joy, sensuality, sexuality, and debauchery that enamors dancers and goes beyond a mere vessel for social commentary. Today's song, Loisa, is part of that debut album, El Abayarte. In Loisa, Tego mixes an assortment of modern beats with bomba and topples the mixture with his signature sharp lyrics, which in this case criticize the way in which politicians, law enforcement, government officials, and wealthy individuals in Puerto Rico discriminate and exclude the town of Loisa, a town heavily populated by Afro-Puerto Ricans. Let's listen. Oh yeah. Esto es pa' mi pueblo con cariño de la Vallarde, con dilleyada y cachete, el majadero de los cueros, pa' mi pueblo que tanto quiero, de Calderón pa' lo hice entero, oye, ando sin prisa. Today, we are fortunate to have Dr. Beth Colompicini to help us contextualize Loisa. Dr. Colompicini is an assistant professor of instruction at the University of Texas at Austin in the African and African Diaspora Studies Department. She will also be the voice reciting the Spanish version of the lyrics. Oye, esto es pa' mi pueblo con cariño de la Vallarde, con DJ Adam, el cachete, el majadero de los cueros, pa' mi pueblo que tanto quiero, de Calderón pa' lo hice entero. Listen up. This is for my town with love from El Vallarde, with DJ Adam, El Cachete, a master in the drums. To my town, who I love so much. From Calderón to all of Loisa. Listen up. Tego starts the song with a dedication to the town of Loisa, in the northeastern coast of Puerto Rico, which is known for its rich Afro-Puerto Rican culture. We'll hear a little bit more about Loisa later in the episode. For now, we just heard Tego call himself El Abayarde. What is the meaning of this nickname of his? Tego has several nicknames that he goes by, but this one in particular, I think is one of my favorites. So an Abayarde is a small insect that stings when it bites on human skin and it leaves behind a gnarly bump once it does that. Uh, usually people out in the countryside or even dads mowing their lawns, they know all about abayardes and their power. Uh, it's itchy, it's annoying, it can last for days. And so I think he decided to take on identifying with this nickname out of the several that he has because he wanted his presence in music and reggaeton and the culture to uh, be just as 
itchy and annoying to the listener in terms of the themes that he's covering. You know, he goes through things like masculinity and blackness and poverty and racism and systemic oppression, culture at large, uh, sexuality and all these types of things. He's taking on this persona of this very annoying insect uh, in a very powerful way. Ando sin prisa, pero tu lentitud me coleriza Y es que no bregan con Loisa, no, no brega Me quiere hacer pensar que soy parte de una trilogía racial Donde estoy con Dios igual, sin trato especial, te perdonar Ando sin prisa, pero tu lentitud me encoleriza Y es que no bregan con Loisa Me quieren hacer pensar que soy parte de una trilogía racial Donde todo el mundo es igual, sin trato especial I'm not in a rush, but your sluggishness enrages me because they don't work hard for Loisa. They want to make me think that I'm part of a racial trilogy where everyone is the same and no one has privilege. Ah, the racial trilogy. If you've been following our podcast, you probably know what this is all about. We have encountered this concept many, many times in our journey through the development of Afro-Latin rhythms in countries such as Brazil, Colombia, and Puerto Rico. What is Tego talking about here, Beth? He's referring to this racial hierarchy, or, you know, this racial paradise story that makes up Puerto Rico's national mythos that then serves to flatten or, you know, take the complexity or even outright erase the existence of race as a concept and as a, a system in Puerto Rico for the sake of building a national identity. So this means that in Puerto Rico, we've been told for many decades that all Puerto Ricans are white European, Afro-descendants, and indigenous Taino in equal measure. You know, we all have the same thirds in us. Anybody who is not part of those groups, whether it was, you know, early um, Asian migration or anything else, they don't count. And so this is simply not true. <laughs> the, the fact that these people don't count and that they're less Puerto Rican or that uh, we all have the same thirds within us in, in, our, in our blood, so to speak, it's not true. And so we see this type of racial mythology projects elsewhere in the Caribbean, in Central America, in South America, in Mexico even. And so this mestizaje or, or mulataje, um, whether it be through this rhetoric that is employed by uh, the government and institutes of culture and you know, other institutions, uh, as well as projects that um, enable or promote cross, uh, you know, quote unquote miscegenation and like cross-racial breeding to produce you know, wider and wider populations. These are just white supremacist projects. So, um, and, and they just mean to produce more whiteness. Um, so that's what he's talking about here. Sé perdonar. Eres tú quien no te sabes disculpar. Usted cómo justifica tanto mal. Es que tu historia es vergonzosa. Entre otras cosas, cambiaste las cadenas por esposas. I know how to forgive. It's you who doesn't know how to ask for forgiveness. 
How do you justify so much wrongdoing? Because your history is shameful. Among other things, you change chains for handcuffs. How about that last line? Cambiaste las cadenas por esposas. You change the chains for handcuffs. Painfully descriptive of the experience of many Afro-diasporic communities in the Americas. But let's get back to Loisa. Beth, what can you tell us about Loisa? Loisa is the municipality in Puerto Rico that has been institutionally folklorized by the government and by, you know, in follow through by the Puerto Rican people as the cradle of folklore in our archipelago. Um, and here it should be understood that the folklore being referred to is of African origin. There are other municipalities that are sort of the cradle of um, indigenous Taino uh, folklore. Um, so this means that Loisa is almost just culturally and, and um, I guess psychologically, you could say, validated as the blackest town with the blackest culture that can get some paltry benefits from, you know, festivals and the Institute of Puerto Rican Culture, while also, unfortunately, being the butt of anti-Black jokes and victims of over-policing by the state. Um, another important thing about, or an effect, an important effect of this process of folklorizing Loisa and almost emplacing Blackness, Puerto Rican Blackness within Loisa, is that Black Puerto Ricans and other municipalities like Ponce, Mayagüez, Guayama, Bayamón, etc. have had then to fight for validation and visibility within the culture and the racial hierarchy of Puerto Rico, which is very unfortunate. And what is he communicating when he says, no bregan con Loisa? He's communicating his frustration about the slow progress of life for Black people, specifically in Loisa, but, you know, obviously Black people in general, because he has also lived in a somewhat neighboring town of Carolina, which is also very Black. Um, you know, he's lived in... Um, He, he knows the, the heavy blackness of other municipalities, like even San Juan. Um, so he's already starting with the theme of government inaction uh, and the slow progress of black life in Puerto Rico. Um, and he's name dropping it. You know, it's like you all don't want to have Loisa actually, and by extension, blackness in Puerto Rico find success find um, actual freedom, find actual humanity, even. No todos somos iguales en términos legales, y eso está probado en los tribunales. En lo claro, la justicia se obtiene con cascajo. Por eso estamos como estamos, que se jodan los de abajo. 
Si no hay chavos para abogado, te provee uno el Estado. Pero hermano, te llevó quien te trajo. Te matan y no desenfundan. La jaula se te inunda. Asistencia legal es defensa de segunda. We're not all the same under the law, and that's proved in the courts. Speaking frankly, you get justice with cash. That's why we are how we are. Let the people at the bottom go to hell. If you don't have money for a lawyer, the court appoints one for you. But in that case, you're screwed, brother. They kill you, and they don't even draw the weapon. Your cage is getting flooded. Your situation worsens. Legal assistance is second-hand defense. As I mentioned earlier, our previous season two episode was devoted to reggaeton. Its title, Cuando Baila Reggaeton, is the title of one of Tego's songs. Perhaps this is a good moment to wonder about Tego. What has been his role in the development of reggaeton? Tego did not invent reggaeton, uh, as I hope that we all know and realize. But he broke through at a very interesting moment in Puerto Rico and the global market. He's a man that is very easy to interpolate as Black, and he very openly and proudly presents himself as a Black man everywhere he goes. Um, in the early 2000s, there was already a shift toward whitening the genre, but not to the extent as we see it now in the 2020s. So Tego and, you know, even other figures like Don Omar and Sion y Lennox blowing up in 2003, 2004, 2005, when their albums, you know, their first albums come out is significant because they're giving a very um, legible black face to the genre as it sees its first globalizing moment out of the several that it's already had. So it's also important to say that Tego is important himself because as we hear in all his albums, especially this one and La Vallarde, his first one in particular, he's never been afraid to tackle or mix other Afro-Puerto Rican and Afro-Caribbean genres into his musical projects. And this sort of gave permission to play to other producers and artists, but also most importantly, he inspired many younger darker Afro-Puerto Rican boys to go into music, whether reggaeton or other genres, which is, you know, huge in itself because, you know, our society is, is very anti-Black and it's very punitive towards Black youth. And could we think of Tego also influencing not only reggaeton in Puerto Rico and even globally, but also influencing Latin music in general? Yeah, of course. I think, you know, Tego stands for and means as a figure and as an artist, uh, he signifies resistance, he signifies Black pride, and he signifies and always just carries with him a particular Caribbean-ness for the larger music market and its history that can't be brushed under a rug or hidden under a chair or whatever. You know, he has very particular and pointed politics and opinions about governance and culture, you know, how these things could and should be, you know, society at large, how it could and should be. And he's been very unafraid to express these through different mediums, you know, his music, his interviews, um, everything he does. This has hurt him 
of course, uh, but he's remained very steadfast in his ethical compass when it comes to what career opportunities he takes or what career opportunities he wants to take and what he talks about publicly when it comes to race and Puerto Ricanness, but also Latinidad at large, because he has these observations and opinions about Latinidad as an identity project as well. Nunca va a haber justicia sin igualdad. Maldita maldad que destruye la humanidad. ¿Con qué potestad va a quitarme la libertad si yo no reconozco su autoridad? ¿Con qué potestad va a quitarme la libertad si yo no pertenezco a su sociedad? There's never going to be justice without equality. Damn evilness that destroys humanity. With what power do you intend to take my freedom if I don't recognize your authority? With what power do you intend to take my freedom if I don't belong to your society? In Loisa's chorus, Tego poses a question that both hints at the experiences of marginalized and criminalized Afro-Puerto Ricans and exposes the double standard of most, if not all, racial democracies. In these democracies, the membership status of Afro-descendants is always in question. Their blackness is celebrated when it is convenient as a part of the idealized miscegenation project of national identity. But this blackness is also excluded and criminalized when it is inconvenient to that narrative's main goal, preserving the racial hierarchy with whiteness at the top. <laughs> Es de hipócritas, vanidad, falsedad en cantidad. Hay mucho de todo sin felicidad. Yo no tengo nada, solo esta letra encabrona y la capacidad de no creer en tu verdad. ¿A quién más se le ocurriría saturar la mente de niños inocentes? Con educación inconsistente, manipulada viciosamente, en conveniencia del prominente, de los pudientes. It's hypocrisy, vanity, a lot of falsehood. There are a lot without happiness. I have nothing, just this enraged lyrics and the ability to not believe in your truth. Who else would think of saturating the minds of innocent children with inconsistent education, viciously manipulated, to favor people with power and with money? Let's talk a little about Tegot's skills as a wordsmith. What characterizes Tegot's lyrics and his music? In my opinion, his delivery and flow are unique. He, he already has a very unique voice. Uh, not only in how he speaks, but also how he sings and raps. And all of that is so unique that it can't be replicated. People have sort of tried to unsuccessfully. Um, he's really one of a kind in that, in that way. And I think that, you know, not only his voice and delivery, but his lyricism is also so 
pointed and sometimes scathing and angry and, you know, uh, has this very solid and justified feeling of reality and struggle and life of a Black person in Puerto Rico that not many know how to tackle or that not many want to tackle because they've seen how it's hurt him. But I think, you know, in in terms of his music and his lyrics, because race has been so central to him as a person and as an artist, you know, and he wasn't the first to talk about race in his music. We've had other people like Edidi and uh, to some extent Vico C., Uh, Even Daddy Yankee, you know, have talked about race, racial mixture, racial prejudice and anti-blackness. But he was the one that really stayed with it throughout his career. He didn't drop the topic. It was that important to him. And I think that he sort of sits alone within that realm of not only being political, because there are political reggaetoneros to this day, you could say, but it's that particular topic about race, about anti-Blackness, about systemic oppression of Black people in Puerto Rico, the Caribbean, Latin America, the U.S., that he's been able to flush out and really critique in these very um, incredible ways that sets him apart. En el pasado se curaron, abusaron, y yo me niego a no darme por enterado. Se dice que las cosas han cambiado. No te duermas, los anormales andan con palo. In the past, they took advantage, they abused, and I refused to pretend it didn't happen. Some say things have changed. Do not get caught sleeping. The abnormals carry sticks. The deep criticism of the establishment continues here. For instance, Beth told me that the sentence the abnormals carry sticks likely refers to law enforcement and that the term anormal, abnormal, is Puerto Rican slang for dumb, which she warns us is rather ableist. In this case, Beth says, I quote, the dummies are the police officers, the oppressors at large, the agents of the anti-black capitalist state that carry sticks to impose violence on the people. Nunca he oído a Rubén Berríos abogar por los míos. Por eso en ninguno confío. Todos con vieques y mi pueblo negro no padece. ¿O es que tú crees que se lo merece? I've never heard Rubén Berríos advocating for my people. That's why I don't trust any of them. Everybody with vieques. And what about my black people? Don't they suffer? Or do you think they deserve it? Beth, who is this character Rubén Berríos? And what is vieques referring to here? So Rubén Berríos is a Puerto Rican politician. Uh, he's also an attorney and a writer and you know, speech, uh, uh, an orator. Um, and he's been the longtime president of the Puerto Rican Independence Party, or PIP, as the uh, letters in, 
both in English and in, in Spanish, so to speak. Um, so he's been a three-time senator in Puerto Rico. He ran for the governorship of Puerto Rico uh, five times and uh, no success, lost all five <laughs> elections. Um, but he's a, a, within independent circles, um, he's respected, but also now not necessarily derided, but considered sort of like the old guard of independence uh, within younger pro-independence, um, you know, uh, advocates and activists. Um, and if you see a picture of him, he's white, he has very light eyes, um, you know, a ve very much a poster child for what a politician is. Um, and so he was a leader within the movement that organized the anti-U.S. Navy protests in the island municipality of Culebra in the 1970s that succeeded in the Navy discontinuing the use of this little island for military exercises in the mid-70s. Um, he was also part of the leadership for this Causa de Vieques or Cause of Vieques which was very similar to what was happening with, or had been happening with Culebra, so to speak, but it came at a much slower pace because the U.S. Navy stopped their military exercises there in Vieques in 2001, and they left altogether in 2003. So it took a longer time to get rid of the U.S. Navy presence through activism um, in Vieques than it did in Culebra. And, you know, this is something that a lot of people don't realize or don't know that U.S. territories are basically experiment grounds for everything from medicine to agriculture to military and, and warfare uh, tactics. Uh, these islands were being used as, uh, you know, military exercise grounds, bombing grounds. And a lot of people don't know that, but there were people, Puerto Ricans living in these islands as this was all happening. And so they were with other allies, you know, from the big island and from other, um, you know, other places and other interests, you know, faith organizations, anti-war organizations and leaders. They were coming together with people from the Independence Party, including Ruben Berrios, um, to protest at these bases, at these, uh, you know, complexes that the U.S. Navy had built there. And so the Navy is no longer in neither of these islands, uh, these island municipalities, but the Puerto Ricans that still live in Culebra and Vieques now have to deal with a very slow cleanup process from the U.S. military because there are still undetonated materials there very high incidences of cancer with no hospitals. They have to go to the main island, very unreliable public ferries and a new wave of settlement from wealthy foreigners that have caused a, a very alarming rate of gentrification in these two little islands, which is quite awful. So why is Tego bringing up the Vieques cause in the lyrics of Loisa? Again, I think <laughs> part of politics, when it comes to, when we study politics in any country, but in, in the context of Puerto Rico, is that this cause of independence, especially anti-imperialist, anti-military 
the anti-military bend of the independence movement in the in Puerto Rico against the United States that was, you know, led by Ruben Berrios and others of his party, you know, throughout the 70s, 80s, 90s, they were so hyper-focused on this particular issue that they weren't actually fighting for other issues that were just as important as kicking out the Navy from our little islands. You know, it's also a thing of fighting for Black people. It's about fighting for resources, fighting for, uh, you know, less police in Black communities. It's about fighting for more education in Black communities in Puerto Rico. It's about um, fighting for the recognition that Blackness is not necessarily a separate thing from Puerto Ricanness, but it's incredibly valid and should not be subsumed under this Puerto Rican identity to the point of basically erasing it. Um, that was not ever really in the in this 70s, 80s, 90s platform of independence in the Puerto Ric- in the Puerto Rican political context. Blackness or the centering of the Black experience, or at least the acknowledgement of the Black Puerto Rican experience, was not part of that platform. Poco a poco, negrito, ponte mañoso. Vive orgulloso del todo poderoso como nosotros. Para esos niches que se creen mejores por sus profesiones o por tener facciones de sus opresores. Si una buena madre sus hijos no daña. Cabrones, lambones, pa'l carajo España. Yo soy Nietzsche, orgulloso de mis raíces, de tener mucha bemba y grandes narices. Ni sufriendo dejamos de ser felices. Por eso es que papá Dios nos bendice. Little by little, negrito, get clever out there. Be proud of the Almighty, just like us. And for those black people who think they're better because of their profession or because they have the features of their oppressors, a good mother doesn't harm her children. Suckers, bootlickers, to hell with Spain. I'm black, I'm Nietzsche, proud of my roots, of having thick lips and a big nose. Not even suffering do we stop being happy. That's why Father God blesses us. This part of Tego's lyrics capture his initial motivation for creating music. In a 2008 NPR interview, Tego said, I quote, I started making music for my black people so that they can feel proud of being black, end quote. I think I mentioned in one of our previous tracks that when I was in my early teen years, I was made fun of because of my white nose and thick lips. Now, I wasn't a saint. I was also making fun of other kids because, you know, we are so mean sometimes when we are kids. But I gotta admit that I was indeed very self-conscious about those features of mine. Until I realized that those same features are the ones that make me as beautiful as I am. I know Melissa is going to love this narcissistic nonsense. Anyways, so when I heard these lyrics for the first time, and many others in Tego's music, I felt that pride that he wanted us to feel. Beth, help me out here. What has Tego represented to Afro-Latin people? Tego, 
has been a very visible part of Afro-Latinidad in music and culture, uh, you know, whether it's uh, in a national scale, in a regional scale, or, you know, the, the concept of Afro-Latinidad in general, um, particularly in, in the height of his career between 2002 and when his last album came out in uh, 2015. And it, you know, it can't be denied that he's highly respected by other artists um, and people still, whether they're fans of the genre or just music in general, uh, whether they're Afro-Latino or not, um, for who he is, uh, what he says, what he stands for. So that has inspired other Afro-Latinos and Afro-Latinas to feel empowered, to stand tall in their beliefs uh, and, and to express those beliefs, uh, to be empowered in their blackness, uh, because that's something that he has always stood for and has always been vocal about. And also their talent, because, you know, reggaeton, like other um, musical genres, goes through this process of commercialization, of globalization, of exploitation, uh, that divorces these genres from their original roots and from the, the, the purpose and reality of, of, you know, when it all started and what it was for. Um, and so the fact that he has that talent and that he's still respected for that talent and what he said and, and did with that talent also inspires um, young Afro-Latinos and even non-young Afro-Latinos to just go forth and, and share their talent and fight for their dream. Yo no sé por qué, si yo con nadie me meto y siempre hay un canto de buey que le falta a uno el respeto. Yo no sé por qué. I don't know why. I don't get in anybody's business. I'm chill. You know how it is. But there's always a canto de buey that disrespects you. I don't know why. This part of the song reminds me of my father, who also uses the term canto de buey. I must confess, however, that I didn't know what it meant, and I never really asked him. I thought it was some sort of silly insult. Well, luckily, this time I could ask Beth about it. She told me that the term canto away, which translates to piece of ox, I quote, basically refers to a person of great power or political or economic strength that lacks intelligence, end quote. Damn, I should have asked a long time ago. Now, I am very curious about who my father was using this expression for. I mean, there's a lot of canto wedges out there, you know? Boricua, este es el abayarde, trayéndola como es, metiéndole fuertemente para despertar a mi gente. Oye, qué bonito es mi Loisa. Mira qué bonito es. Boricua. This is El Abayarde. Bringing it like it is. Hitting it hard to wake my people up. Listen. 
how beautiful is my Loisa. Look how beautiful it is. This song is so politically and so rhythmically charged. I love it. You almost can't escape it because it either captures your brain with the sharp daggers towards an unequal, discriminatory society, or it captures it with that intoxicating mix of bomba with modern beats. Entego is intentionally following in the steps of other big names of Afro-Latin music that charge their music with social commentary about inequities and racism. He says in a piece titled Black Pride in the 2009 book titled Reggaeton that, I quote, Milo Rivera and Tite Curet did their part in educating and calling out the issues. Today, I do my part, but I attack the subject of racism directly, end quote. To finish our episode today, I asked Beth to share a final reflection about Loisa. This is what she told us. So I think... Um, this song demonstrates Tego at his best, not only like a best moment, but also his, his best sort of example of his capacity and his talent. Um, sonically, it mixes bomba and Afro-Puerto Rican music that has been made folkloric by the government, much like the town of Loisa has. Um, with more modern beats that creates this really interesting and infectious experience for a listener. Um, his lyrics are a sociopolitical critique that really shows his depth of not only intellect and understanding, but also expression of his experience and the, and the experience of his people, which are Black Puerto Rican people. Um, but it's just a critique that cuts it makes you think it itches under your skin for days like the abayarde that he loves to be and, and and you know nicknames himself as and it's really what i like to call um afro puerto rican excellence you know it's it's really a gift uh not only what he's done musically throughout his career but this is sort of a, a perfect example of, of his capacity and just his his knack for doing very innovative things in, in the sonic realm, but also just keeping it grounded in a very specific experience that he is a part of. You know, this is not a fantasy. This is not a, uh, a, a made up world. This is a very real anti-Black uh, world that he is rapping against and that's incredible finally thank you so much dr colom piscini for sharing your knowledge and helping us contextualize and translate this great song and to our listeners thank you so much for being here with me today i'm your host andres incapie and if you weren't listening now you are Thanks for listening to today's episode. To hear today's song or other songs featured on our Were You Listening series, check out the Were You Listening playlist, which can be found at our website, tarheels.live slash mixtape podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at mixtape.podcast as well as Twitter and YouTube, which are easily accessed through our website. 
make sure you hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications for our posts. Thanks for listening. This is Mixtape. Hey, yeah, yeah, no